I Call to Order, The Devil's Lettuce Film Society. This is a podcast that also functions as a series of commentary tracks that you can synchronize with your own copy of the movie we're watching, and we invite you to get high with us and watch a movie. I am the host, of course, the shaman. With me, as always, my co-host, El Pinchito. Me! And a beautiful mini peanut gallery. We have a couple of additional viewers with us. And on this episode, we are going back to the Terry Gilliam well as we watch 1981's Time Bandits. Now, uh, it, it occurs to me, I, I should have checked this ahead of time, but I think this might be the first time we have repeated a director, right? Have we done the same director more than once? Oh, I mean, isn't is it, have we done more than one Martin Scorsese? I don't think we have. We've done only After Hours. I'm looking through we here. We haven't done more um, Yurowski. We didn't. We didn't do more. No, no more Jordan Peele. We haven't done any more Wiseau. We were talking. We're going to have to watch some uh, I Am a Virgo, which is the new series by Boots Riley. Because oh, yeah. when we watched. Sorry to bother you. We said we got to watch everything by Boots Riley, but no, this is this is the first time that one of our directors is making a return appearance. Uh, one of our it was the eighth Devil's Lettuce movie that we ever watched was Terry Gilliam's Brazil, which is widely considered to be like his magnum opus, and it was the movie he made directly after Time Bandits. Oh, now. Uh, I got a I got a real history with Time Bandits. This one is extremely weird. No way! Uh, I, I got a lot of stuff to talk about when it comes to this movie, and it also has a connection to one of our other Devil's Lettuce directors. Uh, but I won't tip my hand just yet. I'll talk about that one when the movie is underway. I have so many questions. Oh, and I, I will have some answers, but let me tell you, this, this movie is just going to raise even more questions. Um, but before we get into that, let's talk about what we are imbibing this time. Uh, what's in your pipe, Pinchy? Well, so I, I received, I, you know, sometimes I don't, I'm, I don't know if this happens to you, but like friends end up with a surplus of weed at some point and they're like, I don't want this anymore. And they're like, you have it. And so I'll take it and be like, cool, sure. <laughs> Why not? I that's usually me. I'm usually the friend with the surplus. Okay. And so I took a friend's surplus and it was it's it was, you know, from a a company and stuff and it was like medical grade and it was called Canteris. But when I go to Google it, I can't find a fucking thing. Huh. Like nothing. So you your friend didn't even tell you like is it an indica or a sativa? It's a, oh, or it's a sativa. It's definitely a okay. sativa. I know that because I wrote down, I mean, you can't really see it, but like I, I took it all and I put it in my smaller oh, jars wow. and I, you know, made notes of what the strain was and what, you know, the, the type it was because I knew that at some point I would be smoking this on this show right here, right now. Um, and alas, so I'm smoking some mystery weed and I, suspicious. I smoked some of it before signing on because I couldn't wait because it's Friday and honestly it's feeling really nice it's very talkative it's uh flavor is kind of gone because it's a bit old but um I would give it a solid uh a solid you know 
eight. A out solid of... eight. Did it get you to a solid eight? Got me to a solid eight. Right on. Um, so, Cantaris, the mystery strain of Sativa, that is a solid eight. I mean, it's a pretty glowing review. Could you see no, it? No, no, no I, can't I can't find, find it anywhere. anywhere. I just did a quick Google search, and like you, I couldn't come up with anything. No, nothing. And I am also enjoying some mystery dope, but uh, this this is a little different. This is from our our friends at Budmail. We have promoted Budmail since the, the show, show began. began. Love that Budmail. But, but uh, this right here, lately they've been having a sale on Sativa Trim. So it's it's a big bag of shake. And I mean, you know, I, I'm not one to turn my nose up at shake, especially because I vape most of the time. Like, this stuff is fine for me. But let me tell you, you know what you can't beat is a full ounce for 35 bucks. Wow. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just... Just doing like a little a cheapo bargain bin party pack. Uh, it's going to be a mix of, of all their sativas. And uh, looking forward to that. But man, like that's like highway robbery it is. Yeah. 35 bucks is a crazy steal. It is a crazy steal. It's a lot of, it's a lot of juice. That, how long will that take care of you for, you think? Uh, it's going to take care of me for a good long while. And there's also a, a reason for that, which is... I, of course, have two great big plants growing in the tent behind me. Uh, they are a good, like, five feet tall at this point. They're, they're outgrowing their space, so I've started the flowering process. Soon they'll have some great big old buds. And on that note as well, you've got a plant growing, I don't do, you? I do! I do! I inherited it. I named it Mork. And, um... Mork, I wanted to see, like, I love plants. I am a plant person, surprising no one. Um, I wanted to see what it was like to just grow it without all the added, like, lights and everything. I just wanted to see, like, what, it's a weed. It's supposed to be a weed, so, yep. you know, I didn't really want to harvest it so much as I just wanted a really interesting looking plant. But now it's flowering and, like, you know, me and you have been talking the whole time and... And, like, it's flowering these beautiful little bud-looking things. And, like, I'm sad because, like, you know, I don't want it to go... <laughs> you gave me my nice history for 311 history lesson. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you could probably keep it going. But you'll want to trim off the buds because, I mean, that's why you're growing the plant, right? You don't want them to just wither and, and die out. No, I don't want that. I don't want that. You gotta, you know, Mork is offering up a bounty to you. And you have to honor Mork by enjoying it. So how long does it take for the truck? Like, how long does it take to fully bud before it turns amber? Really depends on, like, the strain and the type of plant. The plants that I grow, well, the first year I grew some seeds that were called fast version seeds, which had an accelerated growth cycle. This year I'm growing uh, just what are called pre-feminized seeds, which just means that they're only going to be female plants. Uh, female plants are the ones that grow the flowers that you smoke. So uh, they have the normal grow cycle, but I'm guaranteed to only get plants with flowers that I'll harvest. Versus if you get a male plant, they grow essentially a weird knobbly plant dick and uh you can't you can't smoke them and they try to pollinate with your female plants oh shit those little buggers yeah <laughs> yeah so 
Uh, it'll be like a few weeks. Like I said, the, the key thing is just to keep on looking at the trichomes, which are the little sticky, syrupy blobs that come out of the flowers. Those syrupy blobs have the THC in them. And when you got to look at them through like a magnifying glass, I have a little jeweler's loop, like one of the things that the jewelers use uh, to examine them. And uh, when they go from when the syrup goes from clear to like a creamy, milky color, that's when you want to cut off those buds and dry them and then smoke them at your leisure. Yeah. So it'll be a few weeks if Mork is... If Mork is flowering, then yeah, you know, a couple months maybe. What's the curing process? Do you have to cure it and dry it? Yeah, you do. Uh, the curing process is pretty easy. You trim off. Well, it, you're trying to save the whole plant. So what I would suggest for you is just trimming off the buds and drying them. But like when I harvest my plants, the whole plant is gone. So, so I cut off I cut off the whole branch that the, the bud is on, and I dry that whole unit. Wow. I like, I trim off all the leaves, so it just becomes, like, branches with a big bud and nothing else. You hang those upside down uh, for a while until they dry out to the point where if you, like, squeeze one of the buds, it, it's crispy versus soft. And uh, then after that, you want to cut all the buds off and just put them in a jar and for a few days, you want to just like, basically you burp it. You, once a day, you open the jar, you let the air in, and then you close the jar up again. And you do that for a few days, and that cures it, and then it'll be ready to enjoy. That's it. You just pop them in a jar. Yeah. You dry them out, you pop them in a jar. Oh, wait, sorry. I missed the part. You put them in an oven, or no? You just... No. You just dry them in the air. For how long? Uh, well, it depends sort of on the environment and the climate, but you dry them until it gets to the point where if you squeeze one of the buds, it's no longer soft and it's more like crispy or crunchy, like a little, you know, the, to indicate that it's dried out. Hmm. Wow. And that's the process. And I mean, that'll like, uh, since I'm starting mine flowering now, I'm guessing it'll probably be like the end of September, maybe when I harvest, maybe sooner. I'll just have to see how everything develops how far along it goes but like i said with you mork is really getting on there so keep an eye on those those nice frosty flowers how big is mork it looked pretty small mark is pretty small mark is like, yeah, a, like a what like, like a, a foot, foot and a half, half. Yeah, foot and two half. feet yeah and like a little, this kind of thing yeah you get a few nice buds oh, off yeah there. oh maybe i'll I can be send curious you some. i'll, I'll be, be curious, curious to see, to see uh, i'm totally sending you some Oh, that'll be nice. We could do the do the exchange um, and enjoy them on this show. But yeah, I'll be curious if you try to to keep the plant going after you cut off the buds. Uh, see how that goes. See if you can keep it going year round. Because I don't know. I don't, I really only know the method where you grow it, you harvest it, you smoke it, and you you just do it again with a whole new seed. Anyway, this has been our botany lesson. Well, yeah, we learned it here today, and we'll learn it again next time. That's right. We'll learn it again next time. And on that note, let's get into Terry Gilliam's Time Bandits from 1981. The uh, length on our version is 1 hour, 56 minutes, and 1 second. I'm going to count down from 3 and then hit play. When I say play, hit play on your own copy at home. And you can watch along with us. So here we go. Three, two, one, 
play. Bananas. <laughs> wow, Tiger, you're so loud. I used to know the name of that lion, the MGM lion. Oh, yeah? It had a name, eh? I just called it a tiger. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're way off. Uh, oh, of course. This is so unimaginative. What do you... What do you think? What do you think the lion's name was? Leo. It was Leo the lion. Except uh, MGM just says it's Leo. Apparently, the lion's real name was called Slats. I don't know. Huh. Deep MGM lore. Well, okay. So you want the deep uh, shaman lore on this movie? Yeah. Lay it on me, string beans. Has it ever happened to you? That you saw a movie when you were really, really small. And then when you grew up, you couldn't tell if you had dreamed the movie or if it was real. I'm going to go with yes. Because this has happened to me with Time Bandits. I saw this movie when I was very young. Probably like too young. Um, my dad rented it. It's a weird, this is a strange and kind of scary movie. And my dad rented it and... This opening scene that you're going to see, like, stuck in my brain. And as I grew up, I would have these, like, flashes of imagery from it and wonder to myself, did I actually see this movie? Or did my childhood brain just make it up? So how old are you? How old was I? I was probably, like, three or four years oh, old. Oh, you're a baby. This, this, this came out two years before I was born. So it was like brand new on video. And you know what? Like here, I'm really going to show my age uh, for all our younger listeners out there. But all three of them. when I was as young as I was, when I first saw this movie, this was before you even like owned movies. You like vi home video rental was just video rental. Nobody was buying tapes at that point when I was that young. And uh so this was one of those things where, like, the only way I could see movies was by going out and renting them. And I'm pretty sure this is one of the tapes that I would rent, like, over and over, you know, rent a few times. Oh, really? But The NeverEnding Story was the big one for me when I was a kid. So, like, it scared you, but then you were, like, you know developed a fetish around it so you kept renting it well i do love horror movies so <laughs> i don't know if i'd call it a fetish but definitely from a young age i was into being scared like in a safe way i think we might have talked about this on a, a show in the past but like i really think that there's a lot of value in junior level horror movies you know movies like gremlins and stuff where you watch it when you're a kid and it scares you, but it's not too scary. Uh, I think there's, look at this, look at this. What is going on? Oh yeah, like something coming out of your closet. Wow. Behold death. It's a pretty cool image. But yeah, like I think a movie is a good way for kids to engage with fear in a safe environment. And the end result of that is that 
when they're in a scary situation in real life, maybe it won't be so overwhelming because they understand the emotion of fear. He said not having any children of his own. <laughs> I might explain a few things. I don't watch horror and I panic. <laughs> well, watch some watch some uh some movies like this. Movies that are kind of scary but aimed at a younger audience. It's a good way to engage with those emotions. But it's funny because uh, I'm sure I drove my dad crazy with this sort of thing. Because growing up, like, I loved the X-Files, but it scared the shit out of me. The age I was, I was like 13 when the X-Files first started airing. And I was fascinated, but it scared the ever-loving crap out of me. And, like, my dad had to comfort me at night a few times because I was so scared by what I had seen. So I'm sure dad was kind of annoyed by it. But at the same time, like, really, really helped me sort of work through those fears. And now I'm not scared of UFOs at all. Haha, <laughs> how useful. Call Tom DeLong. Call Tom DeLong. He's too busy touring right now. Charging out the nose for his tickets. Yeah, I didn't go because I didn't want to that much money this whole scene with the with the the brown and mustard yellow decor the furniture wrapped in plastic and they're watching a game show this really reminds me of tommy oh yeah 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 we just we just need baked beans to start pouring out of the tv oh my god what was the breakfast pour, like eggs baked beans and yeah pour pour me an egg and beer <laughs> it was it was a raw egg and beer gross well, so on that note of the time of the X-Files, like I was even younger than you and you still you are I, <laughs> that tall change now. <laughs> um, and it was around the time when uh, Independence Day was coming out as well. Remember? And then Mars Attacks came out. So around that Same time, year. Yeah. I was convinced I'm like, aliens are real and this is how they're telling us. So I was sleeping with my light on for a very long time. Man, these days I'm like, okay, aliens, take me away. Let, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Oh, man, on that note. So, so speaking of Tommy D, my, my boyfriend, my very real <laughs> boyfriend, who I see, real, just who I see regularly and sings me to sleep, you know, that one. Um... When he was on break on his tour, uh, touring with Blake 182, he's back home. He linked this documentary on uh, YouTube called Hellier. And there's two seasons of it. And there's like, there are episodes. They're like an hour long each. And Tom DeLonge was like, this is for sure like one of the best documentaries I've seen putting like researching UFO or UAP phenomena. And I was like, okay, Tommy D says it's good. So it's probably pretty good. And it's pretty good, okay? Mm. It's, it's great. I, I've been in, I like, it's entertaining. The The investigators, Planet Weird, are just so endearing. And like, I want to be friends with them so bad. Like, like, oh God, they're just wonderful people to like hang around with. I would definitely, I see the appeal of wanting to go on road trips to weird places with these people because they're so 
interesting and lovely and grounded doing really weird fucking experiments trying to measure like you know weird paranormal phenomena and man highly recommend highly recommend i need to drag you all into it and watch it with me on channel m because it's some good shit well well i want to go on a road trip through time and space with these guys these are the time bandits oh these guys okay they're oh they're so they're little people they're little humans they are they're little people and uh what's cool is that most of them are also actors from star wars that guy on the the right it looks like he has like a colander on his head that's kenny baker that's r2d2 oh my god wow and something i think is pretty cool terry gilliam tends to cast little people in his movies um i often think it's just because he likes the sort of surreal nature of having someone of small stature but in this case he said that it's because he wanted this movie to feel like it's from the point of view of a child. So the main character is a child, but he also wanted to surround the child with people of similar size so that everything is like from that scale. You know, every, the, the main characters are always looking up at everything the way a child would. Oh, Terry Gilliam, you goddamn auteur genius son of a bitch. Because, like, man, Brazil was a good movie. Like, it, it had such a very particular aesthetic and, like... Brazil is all about the aesthetic. Because what, something I was also thinking about comparing this to Brazil, since Brazil is our other Devil's Lettuce Gilliam film, is that uh, Brazil, while it has an amazing aesthetic, the story is pretty straightforward, right? An office drone breaks free of his mundane life and joins a revolution. But this movie is not straightforward. This movie is friggin' bananas because it is about this team of little people who have stolen a map of space and time from the supreme being of all reality. And they're going through time and space stealing famous artifacts. Okay. And the, the twist as well is that it's not really history that they're going through. They're going through, like, fantasy history. <laughs> well, they're currently elongating a wall, so... Yeah, and so this image here, with this weird floating head, this is one of those images from my childhood where I was like, did I dream this or was this actually something I saw? Because it really is like a weird nightmare you'd have as a kid. Oh, yeah. Disembodied heads? No, thank you. Ah, disembodied head. So weird. And like the endless hallway, so strange. So strange. It's said that if you jump into the abyss, there's a pillow waiting for you at the bottom. In this case, there kind of is. Kind of. No, that one landed in the, the water trough. So, have you played the new Zelda game? I have not. No, so there's a key component of this game where you just dive into water from 
thousands and thousands of feet in the air. And, like, you would die from the surface tension, right? Probably depends on the height. I mean, there are high divers. I've seen a guy dive from, like, four stories up into a tiny wading pool. Wow. Wow, what? In a tiny wading pool? That's awful. Yeah, yeah he, he basically, basically, like, belly flopped in a T-pose. What? That's fucked. Into, you know, a tiny, tiny amount of water. Oh my god, that's awful. This also has a very, like, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy kind of vibe to it. Just jumping from place to place, you know, these sort of scoundrels. So, like, how did the kid get looped in, though? They, like, cut through the, his bedroom? The yeah, the time bandits got lost in time and space and wound up in his closet. And then... When they came out of his his closet, that big floating head belongs to the supreme being who they stole the map of time and space from. So the supreme being showed up, and was like, "Give us back the map," and they all ran away. And now they've wound up in Napoleonic times. Man, that's trippy concept for back then. That's great, and for a kids' movie too. Really strange stuff. Oh, it's legit a kids' movie. Yeah, it is. Oh. I mean, the main character is a kid. Yeah. Um, so here's the connection to another. Here, Pinchy, tell me. Uh, do you have the, the Devil's Lettuce Master list in front of you? Do you need a link? Uh, I can get it in front of me pretty quickly. Yeah, here, yeah, here's, here's a link to it if you need it. Take a look at that list and tell me which director is working on a remake of Time Bandits. What? It shouldn't be that difficult. I mean, like Martin Scorsese's not doing it, right? It could be any of them, man. These are all such, like, very particular directors. I bet you can guess. Who's, but who's working today, right? I don't know. It's Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi is working on a Time Bandits series. Fuck yeah, man. Have you seen his show, uh, Res Dogs, Reservation Dogs? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I got to watch the new season of What We Do in the Shadows because it's I think it just started. What else have we watched by Taika Waititi on The well, Devil's Lettuce? we watched Thor Ragnarok with Myron. Oh, that's right. That was totally... That had all the signs of a Taika movie for sure. So yeah, suddenly we're in Napoleonic times. Like you do. Man, we've watched some good movies. 
We sure have. Except Liquid Sky. Liquid Sky goes down as the worst movie we've watched on this show, for sure. Hmm, let me take a look. Let me see. Let me see. I don't know. You know, I think that Best Fiends might have been a worse movie. Nah, man. Like, <laughs> Best Fiends. I think Best Fiends is a way worse made movie than Liquid Sky. Liquid Sky has troubling content. Okay, that's Best true. Best Fiends was a bad film. All right. All right. All right. You're right. You are right. I remember we had to turn it off, didn't we? Or no, it, no we finished it, but... We, we just decided not to watch part two. If Best Fiends ended on a cliffhanger and we were so unimpressed that we decided we're just not going to watch part two. I mean, we weren't just unimpressed. We were bored. Yeah, and it's, it was two and a half hours long. The first one. Yeah, and the second one. They both were. A combined five hours of Tommy Wiseau. That's, that's egregious. Too much, yeah. So we didn't do it. Also, Serenity was a bad movie, but like, it was entertainingly bad. Yeah, it was entertainingly bad. That's the one where Matthew McConaughey found out he was in a video game the whole time. Right. That was fucking, that was hilariously bad. Hey, do you recognize the guy playing Napoleon here? Kind of looks like he kind of looks like the guy from Roger Rabbit or Michael Scott. <laughs> oh, oh, you know what? You're, it, he does kind of look like Bob Hoskins. That's that's pretty good. Uh, he's been in a one, um, favorite movie of yours. He was in The Fifth Element. Oh, which one? Which person you, was he? You don't recognize? He's the priest. He's Vito Cornelius. Oh shit! Wow. He's been in a lot of stuff, too. He was in the Lord of the Rings movies. He plays old Bilbo. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was in Alien. He plays Ash from Alien. He's one of those, like, super prolific character actors. He was in, like, he was in Garden State, the Zach Braff movie. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen Garden State. Oh, yeah, and he, he was also in Brazil. He was the main character's boss in Brazil. Man, I'm just looking back through the archives here, and, like, butt boy, man, that was a star. That was, that was a letdown, though. Like, the last bit where he actually goes in the butt was pretty funny, but the rest of it was not good. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, so, Pinchy, have I told you that about Cavendish Farms? No. I'm here on Prince Edward Island, of course. And uh, what's PEI famous for? Um, storm chips, potatoes. Potatoes, yeah. It's famous for its potatoes. And the big potato producer on the island is Cavendish Farms. They're really big, big, big potato producer. And they have a huge potato processing plant uh, that's not too far from here. And on some nights when the wind is right, like tonight, suddenly everything here smells like French fries. No way. Yeah. The smell of French fries wafts across the bay and envelops the farm. That's, so how do you feel about that? Do you start craving French fries or what? 
it's pretty nice. Like, you know, a lot of farms, when you hang out on the farm, you just smell like cow manure. But I get to smell French fries. I'll take it. God, Terry Gilliam is so weird. He claims he doesn't do drugs. Is he lying? I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he was lying. Okay, so they're performing for... Yeah, they're we did it at the same time. Did you, did you catch that? <laughs> I, I could see, I could see you like that. That look of confusion going over your face as you watch these time traveling little people dancing for Napoleon. <laughs> well, again, they stole a map of time and space so they can go anywhere in time and space. They've gone back to the Napoleonic period, and their goal is to steal Napoleon's riches. So they're posing as performers to get in to in with him. And the stage manager is convinced that Napoleon hates the show and is going to kill him. So, like, they're in alternate Napoleonic times, right? Yeah. This whole movie is sort of set in an alternate reality, the Terry Gilliam reality, where nothing really makes sense. No, not in person. Have you? I have. And? Sure. <laughs> sure. It is behind plexiglass. It's not a big painting. No, I, yeah, it's quite small, right? Like, I mean... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's small. I think people think of it as being, like, movie poster-sized, but it's like, you know, it's like a portrait. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have great opinions on it. I find its history more interesting than the painting itself. You know, all the times it's been, like, stolen and all that. I haven't watched any of the uh, Da Vinci Code movies. They're pretty hacky. Are honestly. they? I think, I think the Dan Brown stuff is pretty hacky. 
How so? Well, as an example, uh, you know, the first riddle in the Da Vinci Code is an anagram. And Tom Hanks is like, oh, my God, he's written an anagram. I'm like, anagram? Yeah, like, it's the easy. Oh, he rearranged the letters. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it feels like it's trying to be like a, a smart movie, but for dumb people, you know? Oh, shit. Well, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Sorry, Dan Brown fans. <laughs> is it, yeah, is it a lot of like, you know, uh, like what's like Batman's brilliant deduction? Like, huh? Well, this no, it's, it's less, less than, than Batman. Batman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's less than Batman. Like, it, yeah. <laughs> it's the kind of, it's the kind of puzzles that you would get in one of those like, you know mystery in a box kits that you can order where it's like or an escape room it's like a bunch of escape room puzzles that's what the da vinci code is like yeah like not complex riddles so here they go they're uh they're looting napoleon's bounty Did you know that Tom DeLonge has one of those bo mystery in a box games? I thought you were going to say uh, Napoleon hat, but uh, no, it, it, he's got like, a. Did, have you gotten it? Have you done it? I have it and I've tried it. Oh, uh, it's see, it's, I would. Yeah. Tom DeLonge at least seems like he'd put some effort into it, you know? It, un, I mean, yeah, I think so. But like. I mean, yeah, screwed Napoleon's hand. Tom DeLonge designs uh, ends more in the and when I say design, I mean like decisions made on purpose ends more up in the realm of art than it does design sometimes. And like this is the fine balance when you're trying to explain something or communicate something you're making communication decisions on purpose. But like, you know, I've heard him talk about how he writes songs and like lyrics, and that's not always so how Song DeLong. Tom Songs DeLongs isn't songs. Uh, songs. It's songs. DeLongs. Tom DeLongs. Tom DeLongs. Songs. <laughs> anyway, it's. I haven't finished the game yet. I haven't finished the game yet, but I'll keep trying. Why are they all in their underwear? Oh, the this is like the military camp that they're going through. All these guys in their underwear were like sleeping or bathing. They sleep in their hats. Well, it is Terry Gilliam after all. Quick into the time door. Yeah. So why did they suddenly go hostile? Because they realized that the the time bandits were stealing Napoleon's riches. Uh, yeah, it'll get you. That's all this movie is for the most part. Things things will get weirder, but the the structure really is the time band that's going from time period to time period stealing things. Look, it's Shelley Duvall and Michael Palin. Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Well, Michael Palin uh, is a member of Monty Python. Um, I'm not sure what else you might know him from. He was also in Brazil. Uh, you ever see, uh, The Witches? Roald Dahl's The Witches? 
No, it's on my list. We should watch that. Man. You haven't seen it? Okay, we got to do that for October. It's a perfect Halloween movie. Um, and uh, uh, Fish Called Wanda. Have you seen A Fish Called Wanda? Oh my God. It's one of the funniest movies of all time. It's like, it is one of my all-time favorite films. It's so funny. Um, but yeah, so Michael Palin was in all of those. And then Shelley Duvall... Um, but my wife actually loves her most from fairy tale theater, the TV series, but you might know her from the shining. The shining is uh, probably her most famous film. Oh yeah. She was also in the movie of Popeye. You know, uh, you know what other movie the these little guys were in? Uh, Willow. Did you ever see Willow? No. Oh my God! You have so many things you need to watch. Willow's great. Willow's like knockoff Lord of the Rings. It has Val Kilmer. It may be. It may actually be my favorite Val Kilmer role now that I think about it. He plays the greatest swordsman that's ever lived. <laughs> Did you catch that, what he was just saying? What smells terrible? Okay, so um, remember I said this is a bit like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh, are you very familiar with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? You ever read those books? Yeah, I read the books. So uh, in the in the first one, there's the, the the guy Slarty Bartfast, the character Slarty Bartfast, who operates a planet making factory, a factory that's so big he can manufacture planets. And uh, the same sort of thing applies here. Just now, they were talk. These guys were talking about how before they stole this map and got this plan to go through time and get rich. All they were responsible for was designing trees. That was their job. They, they, they designed trees for planets. And they got, uh, they got kicked off, they got fired because they designed a tree that was 500 feet tall, bright red, and smelled terrible. <laughs> 500 foot tall tree. That sounds awesome! <laughs> I'd like to speak to the manager. 
Yeah, these guys designed a 500-foot-tall stinky tree, and it's bright red. They need to be fired. I like it. I mean, I do appreciate the artistry involved in something like that. Have you watched much Monty Python? That's another no, it's you. it's Monty Python is I don't know it's I I don't know the humor never quite caught me too much like I always I man if I'm being radically transparent, um, Monty Python get, makes me bored. I'm bored. Bored. There I said it. Uh, well, you know, this podcast has had a good run, but <laughs> everything comes to an end, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, well, gotta go. Bye. <laughs> good night, everybody. Oh, God. Well, hey, you know, like the what Holy you Grail's like. The Holy kind of funny. The whole, I, I think the Holy Grail is their best movie. Um, I don't know. It, it really does seem to be. One of those things where it's like you're on board or you're not. Uh, I'm reminded of, I know you and Stickler don't like the kids in the hall, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the same sort of thing. It was like, I love kids in the hall, but if you don't get it, you don't get it. If it's, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. So I, I, I guess comedy is sort of like the, the harshest genre in that way. Like, if you don't find something funny, you're just never going to find it funny. Yeah. Yeah, humor is a hard one, man. But I love the Monty Python Guys, I love the Monty Python movies. I think Monty Python and the Holy Grail might be the most quotable movie of all time. <laughs> Tore off the guy's arm. He's got a pile of them. <laughs> Nobody will ever learn. Why would you want a guy like on your side whose whole deal was arm wrestling your other men and tearing their arms off? Yeah. Doesn't seem like there's a benefit to having you just wind up with a whole lot of one armed soldiers. It's true. Oh, do you think that was a pun on uh, like one armed bandits? Maybe. You know, you know the, that's a pretty you, deep cut. You, you've heard that phrase, one-armed bandit? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Chip meeting a slot machine. Oh, really? I always thought a one-armed bandit was just like someone who steals things. No. <laughs> no, a one-armed bandit is a slang term for a slot machine because they got the lever, right? The one lever that you pull. That's a one-armed um, bandit. And, eh? they, and they steal all your money, the one-armed bandits. And... um so I kind of wonder if maybe this was a joke where all the bandits have only one arm. Does Terry Gilliam still make movies? It's been a while. Uh, the last one he made, I believe, was his Don Quixote movie. Um, yeah, it was. 2018 was the last time he made a movie. And honestly, I don't know if he'll make another movie after that because... 
The Man Who Killed Don Quixote was a film that he tried to get made for like over 20 years. It took him, he filmed most of it and then the star died halfway through. Like it was like a cursed production. There's a documentary about him trying to make this movie and the documentary came out in like 2008. Of um, Terry Gilliam so trying to make which movie? This movie called uh, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm trying to find, let me see here, Lost in La Mancha is what it's called. Um, yeah, he, here it is. Lost in La Mancha was from 2002. So it, it took him like 20 years to make uh, The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. It finally got made in 2018. And he hasn't made a movie since. So I'm, I'm willing to bet that now that he has made like the ultimate movie that he was trying to make, he's probably done. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So there's a documentary and this film exists. There's a documentary about his first time trying to make this movie. And then like 20 years went by and he made the movie for real. Oh man, okay. I want to now I'm interested. Hello, I am now interested. I would like to watch both these films. It is a crazy story. Oh man, so recently I've been watching White Lotus. I watched all the seasons. Oh, is that good? I know a lot of people like that show, but I just haven't watched it yet. I didn't I didn't like it. I mean I, I okay, here's the thing. It's very entertaining, sure. But like I'm kind of I'm exhausted by shows that hold up a mirror to society as a ways to say like, look at these people, aren't they terrible? They're not you. But like it's just a very accurate representation of like what it's like to be a rich white person. <laughs> fair, fair. I know what you mean. So see, now he's gone back and now he's he's uh, stealing money from Robin Hood. Ah. Wow, it's meta stealing, stealing from the rich to give to the poor but so then does that mean you're stealing from the poor in a way yes but this is what i mean about it not being uh like actual history right this is like the fantasy history robin hood's not real robin Hood is not real Okay, now we're getting really weird. Yeah. Because they're introducing the villain. This guy is evil. Like he's the, the manifestation of evil. His name is evil. 
He's is this he is the embodiment of the concept of evil. So he's like Thanatos, but not. No, he's more like one of the endless from Sandman. Like he is just a, an avatar of the nature of evil. See, he just fried one of his own men. Wonderful. Very good, very good. Very good, very good. His hat looks like the floating skull from Warhammer. Yeah. <laughs> his yeah, his outfit really does have a <laughs> kaboom. Uh a kind of a Warhammer bent to it. The big red cloak too. I mean, yeah, that's the working theory. So he's got aspirations to be a Silicon Valley mogul. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. If I understand the computers, then I can control the world. <laughs> and on the first day, he created lasers. Eight o'clock, day one. I do love my laser. So the the guy playing evil is uh, David Warner, and he's another one of those crazy, prolific character actors. He's been in a zillion things. Let's see if he's been in any movies you've seen. I'm sure he has. He was in Titanic. Scream 2. Okay. Well, he's in uh, Tron. He was in Tron. Uh, he was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Wow. And uh, he's been in tons of other stuff as well. What did he do in Titanic? He was Billy Zane's bodyguard. He's the Put guy who's like, Zane. like, Billy Zane sends him to spy on Rose and Jack. Really? Man, it's, I guess it's been a while since I've watched, uh, since I've watched Titanic. It was like, I man, just, one was, of my I favorite movies. I just looked because I couldn't remember his character's name, and he's got a ridiculous character named Spicer Lovejoy. But when I read it, I saw Spicy Loverboy. It's <laughs> 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 like, he's in Titanic as Spicy Loverboy. No. Spicer Lovejoy. Billy Zane's bodyguard. What was the name of the shop you saw today? Fappen what? Fappen Steel. Fappen Steel. For Fappen Steel. steel. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it it wasn't quite that. Slap and seal was the name, but yeah, slap and seal. Yeah. <laughs> God, this movie's so weird. How do they pull up like doors? Those are the the portals through time. But how do they just manifest them? Because they have the special magic map. Special magic map that they stole from the supreme being of the universe that lets them travel through time and space. <laughs> Fighting the Minotaur. I know it won't happen, but I kind of want to see them open a door into an izakai. Into an izakai? Yeah. What's that? That's the uh, anime where someone gets killed and they wake up in some fantasy land. <laughs> Usually a harem. Oh. Oh, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, there is kind of that. Wow, that's one creepy minotaur, man. Hey, look who it is. Who? Oh, come on. You don't recognize that? No. Alexander not, the Great? Not even his voice? This actor. Hold on. Elton Shito, how could you not recognize Is it one Sean of the Connery? Famous voices in movie history? It's Sean Connery. It's Sean Connery. He's just very, very, very young. He's fairly young, yes.
Sean Connery no longer asks women to sit in his lap. Oh, hooray. How old? Is he alive still? No, he's dead. When did he die? He died... He died 2020. Oh, really? <laughs> world was burning, no one noticed. Yeah. Was he old? Yeah, he was really old. He was 90 years old. Wow. I mean, you really can't knock Terry Gilliam's imagery. The guy knows how to compose a shot. I wonder if that's a real place. Do you think that must be a real place that they went to, right? That looked real. Probably the same town they shot the indie movie in. <laughs> can you do a Sean Connery impression? El Pinchito, can you do a Sean Connery impression? That's funny because I was just thinking in my head as I looked through pictures of Sean Connery going, I'm Sean Connery. I'm Sean Connery. I'm Sean uh, Connery. I'll take Shorge for 100. Shaver. It's kind of funny that like his late, his late career most famous appearance wasn't even as Sean Connery. Like there was someone else playing Sean Connery on Celebrity Jeopardy. Oh, really? Do you remember the SNL, SNL Celebrity yes. Jeopardy? Yes! Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Man, Pierce Brosnan's older, too. He's 70. He's getting up there. Why, why do you... What, what about Pierce Brosnan? I don't know. You know, Google's, like, related people, and James I guess... James Bond. Yeah, James Bond. James Bond. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Sean Connery movie? Do you like Dragonheart? I bet you like Dragonheart. Uh, yeah. I haven't. I think I watched it when I was really young, though. Or what about Entrapment? We watched Entra Entrapment on New Year's Eve that one time. Did we? Cause, yeah, because it takes place on New Year's Eve. That's the one where Catherine Zeta-Jones dips below the lasers oh yeah that one
this is one of those movies that's like it's like the you know the childhood fantasy where you you're just leading a boring life your parents are boring people who watch game shows but then you get swept off and you get to go through history and you get to meet you know uh, ancient romans and robin hood and and all that like it, it really has that childhood fantasy feel to it yeah now you're a bro with a king and he does magic <laughs> They're going to make him hit a pinata. Hit the pinata, hit the pinata. Swing a swing bata, hit the pinata. Wow. Okay there, Sean Connery. You just go ahead and adopt that child. So, like, you were a child that was catapulting around different lands, and you met a king, and he was like, you're my son now. Would you just be like, that's cool? I probably would, actually. If I was a kid his age, I'd be like, yes, I do want to be a prince. Thank you very much. Sure. Sounds good. I mean, again, look at how boring this kid's home life was. His parents have the furniture wrapped in plastic. Hey, it was kind of a pinata. Yeah. Cool. Why don't we have this kind of party anymore? Yeah, yeah, you tell him. Why don't Neat. we? Yeah, I'd absolutely be like, sure, I want to be a prince. Entertain me, citizens. Do your cool dance. I want that that I want that pork uh that pork carcass filled with fruit. And then I want the fruit filled with doves. Make it happen. <laughs> Make it happen. See to it.
Oh, I bet I know who this is. I bet it's our friends, the Time Bandits. Do 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 do. Not stole the king's crown. Sean Connery's like, I'll adopt all. They're all my sons now. I call everyone I meet my son. Oh, are we going to the Titanic now? Dun dun dun! Yes. No, you're so wet. Yes. They've just basically got, like, Monty Python in this movie doing sketches. Is that him? It, he is one of the, the Monty Python guys, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy that the titanic still lives on today as like a yeah a massive yeah, warning you know to... that is a good point somehow the titanic's body count went up this year isn't that bananas <sighs> it's like we're speed running the greatest hits of the early 20th century. We've already had our Spanish flu, the Titanic disaster. What's next? Oh, man. You're right, aren't you? You know I am. I love, well, I love your saying, I've always loved your saying of history rhymes with itself. It doesn't repeat itself. 
yeah. but it yeah. rhymes and that that no true words have ever been spoken. I don't know if I can claim full credit. That that sounds like something I probably heard somewhere else and repeated. But it is very true. So they're planning a heist on the Fortress of Ultimate Darkness. On the Fortress of Ultimate Darkness. Yeah, yeah, they're going to heist the most valuable object in the world from the Fortress of Ultimate Darkness, of course. So, like, they're, like, little, they're rich now. Like, you know, they've been stealing jewels, but this is the first time we've seen them cleaned up. That's right. They've, they've... I mean, as he is saying right now, they finally wound up in a time and place where they've managed to just become wealthy and nobody's threatening to kill them. Oh, no. But it just happens to be the Titanic. They never get a moment's peace. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know what the craziest thing uh, that I found out about related to the Titanic uh, in relation to the stupid Titan submarine disaster? What? Even in the time of the Titanic, there were Titanic truthers who were like, yeah, the Titanic didn't really sink, man. They replaced it with another ship and the Titanic actually didn't sink. No way. Yeah, yeah. In like, like this... You know, the news came out that Titanic had sunk, and immediately there were Titanic truthers going, no, it didn't. It's all a cover-up. So, rhyming. That rhyming, it, man. It, idiots have always been there, I guess. He's got a pretty awesome outfit, I gotta say. I like that sort of cyberpunk skeleton goth headpiece. It's pretty intense.
Oh, where are we going? Trippy, weird. What are they falling from into? Well, uh, they're being transported through time and space to the time of legends. And it was just like a weird, trippy effect where everything was inverted as they fell into the water. It's a pretty cool ship. It is a pretty cool ship. So if you thought things were weird before, now things are getting really weird. It's just like, it's a troll man. It's like the beast from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Weird vignettes. So many weird vignettes. Yeah. This whole movie really is like, and suddenly we're here. Guess what? Suddenly we're just in like a fairy tale thing. Look, look at all those severed human feet hanging above her. What the hell? Was she the mother in Brazil? Oh! Oh, you know what? I think she was. That's a good call. I, I'm looking it up. 
I think you're probably right. She's the one with the stretchy face. Yeah. <laughs> Survey says Yes, correct. Good eye. It is the mom from Brazil. Well done. Wow, it's quite the cauldron. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. The ogre's yell caused this windstorm. That's good. I mean, his name was Winston. So this part coming up, this is the part, another one of those parts that like really stuck with me when I was a kid.
Oh, oh shit. Oh, I like shit. it. What? But frankly, uh, this is right on the poster, too. I think this is an iconic image from this movie. What? These giant earlobes. What? That is who? So Poseidon? Cool. Like that is the only way to travel. In a cool ship strapped to the top of a giant's head. Rude. So, wait, uh, who is this guy? Sorry? Who is this? Is this Poseidon? Who is this? He's just a giant. Who just so happened to have... The, the troll people, uh, their ship is also this giant's hat. So the Time Bandit stole the troll people's ship, not realizing that a giant was wearing it as a hat. That an ogre was living on with his wife. Yeah. I like the ludicrousness of this. This is like a D&D storyline, man. It does have like a like an episodic kind of RPG quality to it. Ugh, ah. Oh, that's his head. Yeah, they stuck him. They they filled the the bellows with sleeping potion and stabbed it into his scalp. Oh, the baby is so tired. Let the potato rest. <laughs> <laughs> I love naps. Oh, he took his hat off. Can't sleep with his ship hat. You know, I was born on a pirate ship with a bunch of apples. Were you? Oh, come on. Tell me. You know what I'm talking about, right? Does anybody there know what I'm talking about when I say I was born on a pirate ship with a bunch of apples? Everybody's shaking their head. You see, get it? Zero 
out of zero. I man, I was about to take it literally. I wouldn't be surprised if you were born on a pirate ship with apples. Like, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Sh- shiver me, Rudy. But uh, no, the that joke that was an old schoolyard thing. I'm kind of amazed that you hadn't heard it. Uh, I was born on a pirate ship with a bunch of apples. When I was in like kindergarten, you say that like this, and it comes out as. I was born on a pirate ship with a bunch of apples. One of those childish ways of getting... It sounds like I'm swearing, but I'm not really swearing. It's like when you do this, right? And it's not your middle finger. Oh, I got you. One of those things. so this guy's clearly like the brains of the operation yeah Yeah, the main guy, uh, uh, Randall. So would you say this movie's been pretty weird up until this point? Like, delightfully so, yeah. Do you think it can get even weirder? Uh, is that a dare? Yes. Because it's gonna. This is gonna get weird. Like, did they find the evil's lair? You got it, yeah. Got a what? They- you got it yeah they literally broke through the fabric of reality to get to the you know the hidden fortress of darkness oh you know i like this story and it's the kind of story that i don't know why i struggle to think about which is like, you know, inconsequential, like, episodic adventure, like, and then they were on a ship, and then it was the hat of a giant, and then they had to get down, so they made the giant sleep, and then, you know. Well, the whole thing really has this, like, bedtime story quality to it, right down to the fact that it started with the kid, like, going to bed. I think that's, I think that is very intentional, but you're right, like, I was bemoaning this to a friend of mine recently about how 
my creative skills with, you know, like software, editing software and design software, they're good enough that I can make stuff. But it's now the ideas. They're the real currency. Having the idea is the important thing. Execution, I can, I can, pr I got a good handle on execution. You know, I'm not perfect. I'm not an amazing, you know, creative, but I got enough skills that I can sort of realize the ideas if I have them. Yeah. But having the idea, that's the thing that you're always chasing. And yeah, I, I am kind of envious of Terry Gilliam's ability to, like, to, to, use fairy tale logic bedtime story logic where it doesn't really make sense but it there is logic to it 100% now he's in the game show that his parents were watching oh shit That's Jim Broadbent. He was also in Brazil. You know, he's the, the surgeon in Brazil that stretches the lady's face. Oh, shit. Evil Gotham. With a cunningly placed cage. Mousy. As a rat. <laughs> oh, snacks. <laughs> rat snack. Rat snack. Polaroids are still cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at that. They got documentation.
Are they still wearing their, like, Titanic suits? Yep. Then they're going to use the rope. Okay. Yeah, I thought they were just going to cut the cage off and drop into the void. Yeah, me too. <laughs> oh. Wee. Oh. So. Yeah. It really is like a weird dream, right? You know, the dream where you're like hanging over an, an empty void.
Oh no, Wally. <laughs> oh, this guy too needs to put plastic on all his furniture. Ah, <gasps> see now you're now you're getting it though, because that's that's the whole thing with this movie is it is like this kid's dream. These little elements of his life leak into the story we're seeing, like everything. You know, all the furniture is covered in plastic, and he was just on the game show that his parents were watching. <laughs> no, I had to turn you into a duck. He's a puppy. <laughs> oh, here we go. Silicon Valley creation story. Yeah, poor Benson. Oh, it's a step too far.
Mass market capitalism. <laughs> oh, his fingers uh, shoot guns. Ugh, terrifying. Man, those things scared me as a kid. Oh, yeah. I can see why. Yeah, like, look at these guys. And these big weird bone hooks. And they, like, chitter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at that. He's shooting fireballs out of his eyes. Oh, shit. Yeah, you know, I hate it when my eyes do that. Do you experience dry eyes? God, that's weird. Look how weird... There's a giant Lego piece there. Look at those giant Lego pieces. Half a waster. <laughs> no, you've exploded Benson.
Oh shit, a tank. That's right. They went through time and space to bring the cavalry and a tank. They brought the archers. They even brought a spaceship. <laughs> Some cowboy, the posse. They got a posse together. <laughs> oh man it's just so strange and like like cartoonish and like look at this this is extra weird as if it wasn't weird enough it's like some beetlejuice nonsense nice this is coming out of his head like what is going on here did this scare you as a child yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. Excuse me as an adult. What's he doing? Oh no, not the blender blade. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know. You don't say. Probably get along well with Willy Wonka. Yeah, right? Yeah, seriously. Is like, is this guy just like Willy Wonka after like some serious personal growth? Or no, sorry, before Willy Wonka? Like he was like, you know, he had the evil had this encounter with children and was like, you know what? I, I am... I am turning over my ways, but not... Entirely. Killed those nice with like mustard gas. That's a war crime. That is a war crime. Oh, brutal.
Probably had to leave two out so we could go to the washroom. You up my legger. You hurt my legger. You know, this is a little kid's movie because there was a segment of Randall shooting the tank gun like it was his penis. Boom. Wouldn't we all like a rocket launcher? Oh no, they smushed him. They smushed uh, him too. No, Randall. That wasn't Randall. No, it was Kenny Baker. Oh man, they really squished him, didn't they? I don't know, guys. You're going to get a lot of strawberry jam. Poor Wally. He's gone Russell Crowe. He's gone Russell Crowe. <laughs> like you do. Oh, is it the disembodied head? Nice. <laughs> Incoming message from the big giant head.
And of course, to a kid, the supreme being would just be like, like the bossy headmaster, you know? Oh, the bubs. This is also a very Douglas Adams twist, like the supreme ruler of the universe is just a stuffy old dude. Of course, he's a, he's a stuffy old white man. Yeah. I'm giving you a pay cut. No, bye kid.
Good luck. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. Uh-oh, he's going to be turned into hermit crabs. No. Turns out... His house is on fire. Ah, uh, the knights. Hey, turn turns out that maybe it wasn't such a dream after all. Oh, snap. Oh, shit. Oh no, it's a piece of evil. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's he's not particularly torn up by this. I mean, I think I would probably also be mostly confused. They were more concerned about the poster than the kid. <laughs> Isn't that a... Look, look at the, What a weird note to end on. And that's it. It ended with his parents exploding. What the fuck? I miss my little people friends. Bring them back. Well. Oh, they got the map. And uh, they will be coming back in a Taika Waititi series. Oh, wait. Right. So to return to that, they're, he's remaking this? He is. Uh, it'll be a new cast of little people, though, because many of these guys have died since this movie. Seems to be quite ancient. If if Sean Connery was like, you know. You say he's quite ancient. He's only two years older than me. 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 <laughs> me. I'm not that old. All right, Pinchy, what did you think of our second Terry Gilliam film? I thought it was great. I thought it was uh quite quite cute. Just like quite weird cute. and creative, really strange. I like I I just find this one so bizarre because it really is like a kid's dream. 
It, it is. It really delivers on that whole premise for sure. Very dreamlike. So what would you give this? What's your rating on this? I give it four pirate ship hats on a giant out of six and a half four out of six and a half piggies pirate ship hats on a giant yeah what do you get what do you get i give it like a three out of five it was fun it's weird i just really love how unusual it is and it's so funny because i saw this when i was very young so like i didn't know that movies weren't normally this weird and as i've grown up my appreciation for it has grown because it's like oh this really is quite unique and strange right and how is your what's it called your cantaris my cantaris cantaris it was great the mystery strain eight out of ten that's right <laughs> It's really good. It kind of, I don't know if I'm just tired in general or if it made me sleepy, but like, it, it's just, it's nice. It's, it's pleasant. It's mellow. It made me chatty, but it made the movie nice. It's just so nice. 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 And I also had a good time. I will say this is like not the most premium sativa I've had, of course, because it is after all just a big bag of shake, but, uh, this this got me to like a 7 out of 10. And let me tell you, an ounce of that for 35 bucks, you cannot beat that deal. Hell yeah. Preach, brother. Preach. Well, uh, well on that note, put on your pirate ship hat and uh, sail away with us. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode of the Devil's Lettuce Film Society. As always, use responsibly. Sail away. Come sail away. Come sail away with me.